This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. And we are recording, and we'll dive into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Bill Ryman, and we're going to talk about how he has built not only a construction business, but real estate and so many more things, as well as a real build podcast. Before we begin, I remind you that this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you're a content creator, podcaster, YouTuber, or anybody who wants to create tactical content that delivers... Head over to nightly.productions to find out how we can help you discover, embrace, and share your voice all through tactical content delivery. Again, that's nightly.productions. Bill, welcome to the show, my friend. Zach, thanks for having me, man. I've been looking forward to this. Man, I'm excited about it because it's definitely going to be an interesting one where you're focused in the luxury homes arena with construction and with your real estate firm. But I want to give the audience just like an overall because you have a really interesting journey where you didn't necessarily start or intend to go toward construction and real estate. And you grew up in that business, but you've seen time in how homes are built. You learned the best practices buy and sell, really focused in that arena with construction knowledge. But then you went into college, you were intending to play football. Um, you had an injury in college that forced you to really go into a, a, a shift, a changing course for yourself. You then dove into sales in general, where sales at car dealership really focused on uh, a very high level level of sales in that, and then got a business management degree and marketing, started getting back into that business acumen. But you focus in that sales world where you have a track record of selling millions in residential home sales, vacant land sales. I mean, you've been hustling the real estate world, which has led you to open RK Ryman Construction, where you build luxury homes. And then you're currently the vice president of that one. And then you're moving into, of course, you have a podcast, the Real Build podcast, where you really focus on furthering the education for people and what they need to look for before buying, building, or selling a home, where your mission is to help people with one of the most significant investments of their lives and be their guide for a smooth process, which is huge because construction and real estate is so hot right now, a lot going on. Before we dive into like how you shifted and maneuvered this journey of yours, What's a fun fact we might not know about you? Fun fact I was thinking about this is I actually own a little hobby shop, actually. I'm in, in a sports card, sports memorabilia, obviously playing sports and everything. I got pretty deep into it. I want to say probably a little over a year ago now, I bought a massive collection. It kind of just, it was crazy how it worked out and how I came across this. I was actually... You know, I got into collecting. The sports card market kind of blew up, I think, in 2020 during the pandemic and everything. And I was like, oh, man, I could kind of chase my childhood again and, you know, get back into that. And so I started kind of getting into it, buying a few here and there. And I was actually going, I, I followed Gary Vee, goes to the garage sales and everything. And I was passing one in my neighborhood. And I was like, something in my head, I never go to him. And something in my head said, go back to that garage sale. So I turned around, went back to it and got out. I asked the guy that was there, I was like, you got any sports cards or anything? And he goes, yeah, yeah, you're into that? I was like, yeah. So he opens up his trunk. 
It's like he's doing some kind of side drug deal or something and it's shot of his trunk, but it opens up his trunk. He pulls out some books and some boxes and he's like, I don't know what's in here. They were my dad's, but what would you give them? Give me for him. I go, I'll give you a couple hundred bucks. I don't know what you have either. Long story short, that wasn't probably a good deal because I think he picked through all the good cards after I went through it. But that led me to a little lady actually approached me after I purchased those as I was walking out. And she goes, you're into that stuff? And I said, yes. And she goes, well, one of my best friends lives on the other coast and she has a big collection and she wants to sell it all. And I go, okay. She goes, can I give you her number and get you in contact with her? And I wasn't thinking anything of it. I was like, yeah, why not? Okay. Yeah. I'll text her, reach out. So this lady, we start talking back and forth. I, she doesn't know me. I had to make her feel comfortable. I'm like, you find me online, you know? And she's like, they're trying to arrange like, another drug deal over here for, yeah, the, for the cards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. And long story short, she starts sending me pictures of what she has and it didn't even touch. The pictures didn't even do it justice. Four trips to the other coast later, I bought out everything from her at a really good deal. And I mean, this collection was mad. I have boxes and boxes of sports cards that I still haven't even gone through, but just classic cards. There was Mickey Mantle cards. There was just a bunch of no rookies, no Mantle rookies, because the Mantle rookie actually just sold oh, for about be 12 million. by now, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be done. Man. Unfortunately, I didn't get that. She had a separate binders that her son had, and she wouldn't let me touch. And I was thinking that Mantle might be in there. But, but anyway, yeah, so side fact, I'm heavily into sports cards. I started an eBay shop and back about a year ago, and it's been successful. I handwrite letters every order that I get and ship out and do the handwritten letters, package them nice, ship out the next day and kind of building that little side hustle business. But I, it's kind of my getaway from everything, you know, where I can shut off and enjoy and have some fun because I love sports. So I love that piece of a minute. It's funny. I've got a, uh, Shoot, I'll have to even think about where the heck it is, but I have a stash from my like teen years. I mean, it's got to be 20 years old somewhere. I have no clue what's in there, but this is back. I'm Atlanta, born and raised in Atlanta. So I have all the Braves cards from back in the day. So oh, the, nice. the 90s Braves and all the World Series. And yeah, you're making me relive those days, man. I used to collect the hell out of them. And now I'm like, man, I bet I have a million dollars sitting in that box over there. Yeah, you you, you never know, man. You, never gotta, know. you pull it. It's <laughs> like I pulled out a lot of my old stuff when I first started getting into it. I'm like, oh, man, I trashed this. Like, what was I doing? I was putting the cards in the binders back to back and now you kind of learn like as you're older it's just you got to take care of them they got to be mint pristine and but it's awesome relives definitely relives a childhood i really enjoyed it's kind of my getaway of life and the craziness of real estate and construction too it's where my shut off is you know go home uh, fiance goes to bed and i'll sort some (laughs) cards and chill and uh turn on the tv and have a bourbon or something so (laughs) and we're not drinking any of that right now wink wink just coffee supposedly um (laughs) no man that's a fun little side side piece of it all because i love that you have that outlet but it also highlights that love you have for sports i want to talk about that a little bit because I, i talk a lot about shifting and transitioning in the entrepreneurship world but in life in general i think a lot of us have things happen that forces us a direction that we might not have intended to go from the beginning, right? I wanted to grow up and play baseball professionally, went to college for baseball, like went through these things, but obviously life shifts things, right? So you do different pieces. You were faced with an injury in college. Can you talk to us about this sports journey for you and tell us a little bit about when you got injured, like what'd you go through? What was the mindset 
how do you make that shift and then go forward even stronger? Yeah, I grew up playing football, probably, I think a total of 10 or 11 years I played total once I was done with college. It was a big part of my life. I loved the sport, loved everything about it. I remember when I first played Pop Warner, I was like, this is what I like doing. I mean, I played baseball, soccer, basketball, and football was always kind of my favorite and it clicked right away. I was just gifted with it. And growing up too, I played both offense, defense, but my dad was a defensive player too. So he kind of, you know, you kind of lean towards where your dad kind of pushes you and he pushed me more towards playing defense and linebacker. It was a lot of stress on the body. Not going to lie, feeling it today at 35 years old, you know, probably going to have to go in for another shoulder surgery to repair the one that I injured. Right old age of 35. (laughs) It falls apart at 30, man. Falls apart. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I noticed that. I noticed that, especially once that 35 hit, it's like everything started aching a little bit more. Don't tell me. I've got one more year. Let me enjoy my prime over here. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, I'm probably going to have to get the same shoulder repaired again. I actually got a doctor's appointment for that tomorrow, but it was hard. When I played through a lot of injuries with football, it's kind of you toughen up and you learn to kind of live with pain, I guess, in a lot of ways. But the shoulder injury got to a point where I just couldn't do it anymore it was just a shock to my body every time i hit somebody um, obviously i played division one football i had a lot of success with my career and i love the sport you had to dedicate your whole life to the sport once i got in college i realized that too i had literally no social life and everything was football 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 wake up eat you know there's just everything it evolved around but i got to a point too where there was a coach transition at the school i went to and i had that thinking point where okay i needed surgery there's a new coach coming in where am i going to go from here i'm going to have to sit out a year or what's the code new coach going to think when i'm sitting out a year and so on where am I going to go from here? Do I want to continue this? Am I going to make the NFL? All these thoughts are starting going through your head. And I finally said, you know what? I've played. I've had a good run at it. I, this can probably happen again. The doctors already said it's like more than likely you'll injure it again every time you make impact on that shoulder. So I had to make the choice of just leaving the school I was at and just figuring out life from there. And it was hard because you get so used to doing what you, you you get in that set, that mindset, that mode of, you know, it's just a consistent thing. I mean, it's just, I literally lived football for my whole entire life. And it was a big impactful thing when I decided to leave. And I kind of went through that phase of, I didn't know what I was going to do next, where to go next. I think you and I discussed this before, but I thought about going to the Marine Corps because I came from a family of Marines. My dad was a Vietnam veteran. My grandpa was in World War II. So it kind of ran in the blood and my dad was not having that after being in Vietnam and kind of transitioned me back towards figuring out something else. So I went back to the construction industry as a laborer. I was always a laborer for my dad. I wasn't paid the best family business. Gotta love it. You know, and it was kind of a reset to my life and where I didn't really have a plan or where I wanted to go next. And that's when my sister's boyfriend at that time kind of asked me, he's like, you're very social. I know you can do this and have success. Why don't you get in the car business? And he, I saw he had a lot of success with it too. And I was 20 years old at the time. I'm like, yeah, why not? I'm sick of being a laborer, a grunt, you know, digging ditches and sweeping job sites. So that's kind of where I transitioned into the car business. I had no clue what it was going to be like or what I was going to do. Basically, the only reason I got that job was because of him. 
youngest by 20 years walking in that dealership too. And I mean, I can go full into that story of how I transitioned and so on from there. But that was kind of my next step into figuring it out. I was always good at sales. I always sold stuff growing up. I sold golf balls on a golf course as like, you know, a little kid, you know, I used to go around and pick them up and sell them back to the golfers and make a little profit. I was at lemonade. So riding around your little golf cart, doing drug deals <laughs> on the golf course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was at lemonade. I see a theme going on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there was stuff that, you know, I figured out in college, maybe I shouldn't say this, but you know, when I was in college too, I was giving some of the football players cheaper laundry because I figured out how to use the, the a girl's bra wire in the quarter slot. And I wouldn't tell them how I was doing it but I'd charge them less than what they'd have to pay. So I was always kind of that hustler mindset and so on too. And I always figured it out though. And I always knew how to sell, but be real while I was doing it too and just be myself. And I love that piece of it, man, because we all have that type of journey, right? Where you're trying to find what you're good at, right? Obviously Mm -hmm. you found this piece of it where you're good at sales, you're good at that grind, which is such a difficult piece. When you're from this veteran world, where in the veteran world and in the athletics world, when you're at that level of the best of the best, right? I mean, D1, that's no joke, right? Like you're really damn good in college, right? The military, I see a lot with veterans. You're operating the top of your class. And I see a lot where you start to correlate who you are, your identity with that thing, right? You're a football player, you're a military, you're an army guy, right? You're a Marine guy. Ugh, I, I can't, I can't even get those words out properly. <laughs> saying you're a Marine it gives me the chills. Joking, joking. But as an army guy, you know, we start using that as our identity. how do you get past that? Do you have any hiccup in that part where your identity was as a football player and you had to shift that mindset was it a difficult shift and transition for you mentally in away from that once it was, you know, essentially taken away from you with that injury? Yeah, it was difficult because I knew I wasn't going to be able to ever play again. Having friends that played too and continuing their careers with it, that was a tough part of it as well. I mean, I guess I always had to work growing up. That's one thing. My dad was a very blue collar family. My dad was would wake me up as a kid, even like, you know, I'd, I'd have football practice on Saturday. I go from football practice straight to a construction site while everybody else would do their thing and have fun and so on. And a lot of my teammates and everything knew that knew, you know, they just were like, man, you always had to work. You know, it's just how my old man was. Yeah, I had to work for everything. So coming out of football too, I knew not having any money and kind of being broke and not really knowing what I had, what, where I was going in life and so on. Uh, that's where I went back to that work element, went back to being my, you know, a labor and doing the odds and ends just to try and figure it out too. But I, the car sales transition, I mean, well, first to answer your question, it was tough. A hundred percent. It was tough because you're going from a student athlete that, you know, you're, you eat, sleep, drink football. And it's just, you're bred that way on top of it. It's like, you're constantly in a weight room. You're constantly fed. Things are kind of always handled for you too, as a football player as well. And life was set. You know, I, I just kind of woke up, did the same routine every single day. And then you're done with that a snap of a finger. It's done. You just had to make that decision. And now you're in a new life. You're trying to figure it out. So it's like, what's the next process and getting into the car sales thing. I think that's where sales really, truly clicked for me because I had no idea what the hell I was doing. 
and going into a dealership they get, literally train me for like two days they won't have me follow one this one guy and and then all of a sudden the general manager he called me junior because i was the youngest by long shot he goes junior get out there and sell something you're ready and i'm like i have no idea what i'm doing what do you mean i'm ready and one story i always remember with that dealership though that kind of set me apart there was the top salesman there and there's that top salesman wouldn't even acknowledge me wouldn't even look at me wouldn't even acknowledge my presence and that pissed me the hell off and i the guy acted like he was the hot hottest shit that walked the earth right and it aggravated me right away because this was like a month into doing this job and i'm like you know what i'm gonna beat this guy because i can i know i can so what i actually did without any knowledge or anything about these cars i actually went into the they had brochures back then at the car dealership when i was working so i actually went in the brochure room grabbed every single brochure about every single car that was on that lot brought them home that night took two little notepads had and we the dealership was naples dodge and mazda so Dodge Chrysler and Mazda took two notepads. One was Mazda. One was Dodge Chrysler. Each car wrote every single detail in those notepads about each and every car. And I took those notepads every day to work with me. So whenever I'd have, we had an up system there, whenever it was my up, I'd ask, okay, hi, how are you? I'm Bill Ryman. You know, can I introduce myself? And then they tell me what car they're looking for. I pull out the notepad, didn't care, just had it out flip through that car and then i walk around the car with them get in it start reading off the notepad and every detail and then over time that just kept absorbing 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 into my head and then those notepads went away and i became the top salesman in every single division of car in that dealership within a three-month period i beat that guy that wouldn't talk to me guess what he started talking to me and within six months at that dealership they started training me to be a manager i actually turned 21 there i told him my uncle was coming in town or something to take off for my 21st birthday because when you're in the car business you work seven days a week but that was that transition phase where in a month after month i was a top salesman and they started training me for management and then i got to the next step in my life where i was like kind of looked around a lot of older guys. I'm like, do I want to do this my whole life? You know, and that's when that next transition kind of went into place there. And I ended up kind of deciding I wanted to go back to college and finish my degree after two years of football. I had, I was almost there. So be the first in my family to actually graduate college was kind of my next mission. I, I love so much of what you just said, because it's funny. My dad had a renovations company grow up, growing up. So same thing, man. I worked from 13 to about 20. I was working for him. So I was that free child labor that didn't get paid shit, you know, <laughs> might get a hundred, hundred bucks a week in an allowance, you know, mm -hmm. if I was lucky. So I, that part cracks me up, but you were talking about the salesman that kind of had that better than you mentality. And you went in there and didn't let that defeat you. you. You took that mindset kind of as an underdog and used it to motivate yourself. That piece, I think, is so fascinating because you think about it as we apply different things to business ownership to life. You know, we have these setbacks and you didn't even focus on the setback. You focused on, all right, here's an opportunity to go prove yourself, to get remotivated, to compete again. Competition, when used properly, can be such a great thing. 
How have you seen that translate now into your successes, even at 35 as your body's creaky getting out of bed in the mornings? How do you see that success now translating for you? It's translating a lot. I mean, it, we're all in business to compete. And it's just, that's what business is. It's a competition against it. And if you're saying you're not competing with your competition, it's like, give me a break. You're not going to have a successful business. You know, it's like and saying I, you're not a salesperson, right? Because we're all salespeople in business. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing too, with, with the building business, there's one thing that always irks me is if I talk to a customer and then I see another builder sign in front of their house and in front of their lot you know, that I didn't get that job. And then, but instead of dwelling on it and saying, you know, well, that's because of this and this, I always say, what could I have done better? And I've shifted that mindset to that too. Even with real estate, I actually just did a podcast on this. I lost a five and a half. I didn't, or didn't lose it, but a five and a half million dollar listing to a cost to a, a customer gave it to another realtor and I did their home watch too. So I was at that house every week. And then I found out from the other realtor that she was listing it for five and a half million dollars. Now, if anybody wants to do the math, that's about a hundred and something thousand dollar commission on that house. So what did I do at first? Yeah, I was bitter when I lost that, but I kind of transitioned my mindset and said, you know what, why are you even bitter? What could you have done to get that listing? What did you do wrong? What weren't you doing? Where should you have been more aggressive? Should you have done what that other realtor did? Now, the other realtor kind of set them up to get it. That's the only reason she got it. I'm not going to get into all that, but competition, you know, that's competitive mindset though. That's why right away I shifted that mindset to, okay, what can I do better to beat them the next time too? And I do that in everything I do and try not to dwell because we all dwell so much on everything that we don't get, you know, but we don't really think about how we could have got it, you know, and plan ahead and how we could have shifted things to make it different. And I believe that, you know, if I would have been negative mindset on that, God would have been like, you know what, you're being negative. I'm not going to give you something. But instead, I took a positive approach to it. They needed something done. I still helped them. The new homeowner, actually, his realtor actually called me for blueprints and was asking me questions. A typical somebody that was bitter would have been like, no, nah, I ain't helping you. I didn't get the deal. What am I? I didn't make any money. What am I doing? Instead, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'll help because something good could come out of this. And boom, good things happen later on. I've gotten, a, I just got a listing, just sold a house for $3 million. Like there's just good things happen when you're good and you keep that positive mindset and try and try and just figure out, you know, what you can do better the next time. But it all comes from being competitive It all without being competitive. Obviously, like we just talked about your business, you're not going to have success. And that's the thing with the back to the car dealership thing. Like it was just, I guess being a football player, that's being growing up in sports. I, that's where my competitive mindset came from. And I do want to win. You know, that's the thing. I always want to figure out how I can win, how I can do better. And that's what transitioned from football to my next, you know, to my life now and business and so on. How can I grow? How can I personally grow? How can my business grow? How can I physically grow, you know, mentally grow and get smarter and better and be able to beat the competition? What are they doing that that I'm not, you know, and I look at stuff like that all the time is, you know, what am I doing? What can I do that I can get that leg up? you know, and still be true to myself, be a good person, do business the right way and, but win and continue to win. Yeah. And I I love that mentality because it means you're always learning. You're always trying to do something more, right? Has there been a resource for you 
books, podcasts, mentors. I saw you were involved in a mastermind from a couple guys. I don't know if we want to mention them or not, but if we want to give them a plug, but I know them and I, I don't know if it's, yeah, we can name or not name if you want to name them, but I saw a photo of you with one of the guys who's the only podcast I really listen to these days, Ed Milet. I'll throw that mm. name out there at least. So obviously you're, you're tied into some great, great people. What's been that one resource to really help further you overall? I would say that being involved in that mass, being involved with Arte Syndicate too, that literally, to be honest with you, was my first personal like step into real personal development and that journey and that mindset too. I mean, it transitioned a lot in my life. You know, I did a lot for the better. Once I first really dove into personal development, things changed completely. I mean, I got a divorce. You know, that's a whole subject we can get into, too, because I wasn't with the right person and they were kind of holding me back, too. But yes, to give Ed Milet a shout out, Andy Frisella a shout out, too. They've been great mentors to me and great business minds as well. And I've joined a couple other groups, too, that have really helped shift my mindset and keep me on track as well. And that's what it's all about. I mean, I read, you know, reading is obviously a big plus too. And every book I have is a personal development book. I'm not into the Harry Potters and stuff like that. I never have been just kind of stick to what I can learn from. If it's a book, I open it and I don't, it doesn't catch catch on with me and it, i just you know you're, i start thinking while i'm reading that i put that book down i open up another one you know i look for stuff that's always going to help grow me help me personally f- physically mentally any way possible and that's kind of where that personal development journey really takes shape too and yeah so mentorship's been a huge part of it i highly suggest everybody have one and then being in those groups too also pushes you because you kind of get away obviously i have my friends that are in town you know always be friends but then you get in these separate groups of high these high level individuals that are constantly always pushing themselves and you see that that's my whole instagram feed that's my whole facebook feed and it just that when i'm scrolling through instagram i'm seeing these guys they're grinding and i'm like what am i doing i put down the phone and i get back to work you know so i'm not much i'm not really on instagram as much anymore besides posting for business but it's really helped me in that aspect of just to keep that fire going and just keep pushing forward for sure i, I love that man because surround yourself with those people is huge and i know i've been involved my biggest wins have come out of masterminds. A couple of my businesses came out of partnerships and masterminds. Those people, right? You get into the right room of people and it, it shifts the rhetoric attached to your capabilities because now you're, you're using everybody's capabilities to accomplish those things. So definitely those two guys are phenomenal individuals. I hear that group's amazing. They're making some good impact. And I'm curious, as you, you use this personal development, as you've shifted into pushing yourself forward and challenging yourself day in, day out, What's the legacy you're wanting to leave on the world with all the amazing stuff you're doing in that? I'd say legacy. And I really started, this really started taking shape with me, I guess, this year recently. And I, and the legacy I want to leave, and especially like with doing the podcast I'm doing, I don't want to advertise. I don't really charge any, I just do it. And I've been consistent with it for the last three years is I just want people to know that there are great people out there in the construction industry, the construction and and in the real estate industry as well. But more towards the construction industry, there's just the construction industry is filled with so much negativity. 
and literally is, you know, false timelines, false pricing, just undercutting, a lack of quality. There's just a lot of that out there and people are very cautious. I deal with a lot of second home customers. Uh, A lot of them are cautious when they come to us and they ask a lot of questions because they were screwed somewhere else. They had a negative experience and it only takes one negative experience, especially one of the, in one of the biggest investments you're making in your life that's going to stick in your head. And it's, and I feel like it's my mission. I'm on a mission to kind of get that out of their heads too. And what better platform than being online podcast, so on. And I've had a lot of great guests on my show. They all have that same mindset. A lot of them are in Arte Syndicate too. And they all just want to help people. They all want to do business the right way. And there's a lot of construction people out there, but you really don't know them because their voices aren't, you know, construction people aren't the most, you know, video friendly and, you know, happy to have hop on a microphone polished. type. They're books. not polished yeah. all the time. Polished, yeah, great yeah. word for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's kind of my legacy, obviously, with that is on that aspect, but also with our personal business, obviously, is family business. But, you know, my dad started this business back in 95. And I've made it a mission to grow it to something even bigger. And I want to show and I showed my dad that too, that I can make this into something special. And I'm not even touching where I really want to be overall with this company. It's a process business isn't easy. It's getting the right pieces in place, which I'm learning that and get coached on that too. And figuring all that out and a new school approach to things as well. My dad's been a big mentor to me. He's, you know, uh, started stuff from scratch, came from nothing and worked his way up. I saw it my whole life and very hard worker. And he's instilled that in my brother and I as well, that we have to work. You got to put in the work to get to where you want to be. So, I mean, legacy wise, you know, I see myself as one of the largest high-end builders in the state of Florida. I also legacy-wise, I want to make a, you know, a name for myself and that aspect, but also, you know, with the podcast end of things, I just want to teach people that there are good people out in the construction industry. And I want to get those people more exposure and showcase these, you know, these in every aspect of the industry, even real estate too. That's another thing because real estate, there's not, you know, you got good realtors and then you got really bad ones. There's a lot of really bad ones right now because real estate blew up. So what did everybody go do? They went from, you know, doing what they were doing to go get a real estate license. Especially during COVID. Yeah. It was really blew up during COVID. Yeah. And everybody went and got a license. And a lot of people that did should not have got a license because there's a lot of elements to real estate. It's not easy. And the overall thing with real estate is helping the customer and making sure that customer is happy at the end and continuing that relationship. Same with building. That's not just take your check, run to the next, but there's a lot of realtors that do that. So I'm looking really to with the podcast and growing it and try and just showcase great people around the country, around the world, and just show that there are great people out there that with good mindsets and good mentalities that want to help and take care of people and to over deliver on their product. It's such a great arena to be in and a mission to have because I think everybody knows a real estate agent, but everybody also knows a bad real estate agent that I've had a couple in my time, you know, they, they're all about that commission. And then you don't hear from them again until all of a sudden you get the, the local college football team magnet and the schedule to throw on the fridge, (laughs) right? Like, or you get subscribed to their mailing list and all of a sudden, you know, Mm -hmm. so, so many different things where a lot of realtors just don't seem like they don't care. They might not, they might only care about the commission, but I love that you're on that mission to educate beyond that transaction. I think that's a fascinating piece to 
be encouraging because it's such a great arena to be in. And I want to give the audience an opportunity. What's the best way for them to find you, locate you, social media, of course, the podcast, give us all the handles and the links. Social media is I'm Bill Ryman. So it's I and the letter M, Bill Ryman, since somebody took Bill Ryman and isn't using it too often. And then Bill Ryman on Facebook, you'll see a couple of them, my business profile, my personal, I'm more involved in my personal page on there. And then LinkedIn, same thing. TikTok, you got to post to so many things. So I'm trying to keep up with TikTok. YouTube too is another one. I've been trying to grow that channel as well with some more longer videos of what we're doing down here in Southwest Florida, but also the podcast, the Real Build podcast. I've had a hundred and I'm on 153 episodes now. I had a bunch of great people kind of, and it showcases what to look for in the construction real estate industry. If you're looking to build, buy, build, sell a house, it's all there. I've had everybody on there from designers to realtors, to builders, to commercial guys and so on. So it's been an awesome experience with that. I definitely encourage everybody to go check that out because I, I scrolled through some of your episode, ton of episodes, which is already better than a lot of people. A lot of people last about 10 or 12 episodes and 150 <laughs> plus is awesome. So definitely go check out the podcast, check everything that Bill's doing out, but also come back this Friday. We're going to get a little bit more tactical about some of this education and knowledge that he does pass on that podcast. And we'll be back to have that conversation during Tactical Friday. Bill, thanks so much for your time today, my friend. Thanks, Zach, for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.